This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome back. Here we are, Jason. I have a very special present for you. All right. What is it? Uh, yesterday, I bought us tickets to see uh, The Batman. The Batman. On March 1st, we're going to be watching The Batman. Yeah, but if you are waiting till Friday to watch it, definitely listen to this podcast. There will be spoilers at the end, but we will give you fair warning. We've got some cool research for you <laughs> to prep you for this movie. Yes. Okay, what do you got for us, Dee? All right, so our story begins with the end of one of the worst movies I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Which is? Well, I can't even believe it. What does Rise of Skywalker have to do with Uh, the Batman? No, that's your hated movie. Oh. The one that I despise is the Joss Whedon Justice League. I I hated it from minute one. Tried my best. Threw out the movie to love it, and I didn't. But still, despite all that, I waited around for the end credit scene. And the end credit scene has a character that you may or may not know driving up to this yacht. You said you had something I'd want. You better not be wasting my time. Oh, Deathstroke. Yeah, okay. So Ben Affleck had been Batman in the previous two movies. He'd yes. been in Batman vs. Superman or Superman vs. Batman, whatever that one was. And the plan was that... Ben Affleck was going to write a script for the next Batman movie. Ben Affleck and Jeff Johns, comic book superstar Jeff Johns, were going to write the next movie. I actually told you that I had forgotten that Ben Affleck had even played Batman. <laughs> well, it was forgettable. It, I mean, was, it was very forgettable. I love Ben Affleck and a lot of stuff, but his Batman was not one that was super memorable right why did you say that name martha (laughs) (laughs) i didn't forget it that much i guess yeah i actually kind of enjoyed the batman versus superman movie i didn't like that he killed people in it but it wasn't i didn't hate it as much as a whole lot of other folks did i felt like that one was rushed they tried to do too much in the course of one movie so what we've learned in going through these Batman times is that the Batman goes up and down. But as we mentioned in our previous episode, Michael Uslan wanted people to know what the real Batman was like. He put together a film company called Bat Films Inc. And ultimately, they are the ones that produced Batman 89, which took Batman back to the dark. It was great. We both loved Batman 89. Yes. And then they started to slide. A little bit. Batman Returns, not nearly as good. Not half as good. And then Tim Burton stepped away and we got Joel Schumacher and nipples. Yeah, Batman Forever had its moments. And then we got Batman and Robin, which was horrendous. So what we've learned is then when we get to that campy again, what's destined to happen? Well, we get Christopher Nolan involved and it goes back to the dark again. And we've got reality and realistic and Heath Ledger is Joker and it is fantastic. You will complete me. And then Zack Snyder gets involved and I love a lot of what he does, but he had some trouble. Joss Whedon took over. And by the time we've gotten our last appearance of Batman, once again, it's bright and not good. Just kind of a misfire with those. Big misfire. So Ben Affleck has written a script. Yes. And then he's going through some troubles. <laughs> yes. Yes, he is. And it- while that script is out there, they're looking for a director and they hand it to a young director named Matt Reeves. Well, before we get to Matt Reeves, let's yeah. talk about Ben Affleck's struggles. Okay, go ahead. I just feel like this is a part of the story. Yeah. Ben Affleck was going to... He wrote the screenplay. Affleck. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Ben Affleck was... He had written the screenplay with Jeff Johns. Yes. He was going to star as Bruce Wayne in Batman. Yep. And he was going to direct. Yeah. And that's a lot. Yeah. And it's really a lot when you're going through a divorce. You're an alcoholic. You have to go to rehab. Yep. And you're sick of the character. Yeah. I mean, he just... 
he ran out of steam, couldn't do it, had personal problems, had to back away. So Matt Reeves gets Ben Affleck's script. He's been shooting some other movies that we'll talk about in a minute. And when he looks at it, he's like, this is great. But it's not for me. Right. This Ben Affleck script was a James Bond style Batman. Yeah. James Bond style. And he's going to face Deathstroke. You know, and, and I'd read that the Joker, like Jared Leto from Suicide Squad, the Batman movie was going to be like the game about like Fincher. David oh, Fincher okay. Movie. Yeah. So it had some good things, I think, but it just wasn't Matt Reeves' script. Right. And then... With Ben Affleck going through the troubles that he's going through, he ultimately decides to pull out of the picture. Yeah. And so Warner Brothers calls Matt Reeves back up. Before we get there, let's talk about Matt Reeves. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about me. What are you? Yeah. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? Well, this guy is a guy who's been friends with J.J. Abrams since they were 13 years old. Okay. J.J. Abrams, if you don't know... Did the Star Trek reboots? He did Force Awakens and your, I know, most hated Star Wars movie. But he's not—he's not an insignificant character. I mean, he's huge. He rebooted the Star Wars and Star Trek franchises. You don't get that by being a no talent hack. I know. I mean, and and he did Super Eight, which is a great movie. He's done a bunch of really fantastic stuff. I don't want to only look at the stuff that we're unhappy with. He is an amazing director. Right. But he and Matt Reeves met when they were 13. Just a few years later, this is so bizarre. A few years later, they get a job from Steven Spielberg taking his Super 8 movies and moving them to VHS. How does that happen? Well, they had been making short films themselves. I guess that's what the glue of their relationship was like. Hey, I want to make movies. Hey, me too. So they would make short films and would come out on public access TV on the Z channel. Wow. So I don't know if Spielberg was watching the Z channel. I don't know what the deal was. But somehow Spielberg knows about these two kids and hires them. And they met Kathleen Kennedy. I mean, how does... What? What? Right? So he hires these two kids to move his Super 8 stuff to VHS. They both are like, well, now we know our destiny is to make movies, right? Yeah. And so he ends up going to USC as a a screenwriting student, actually. You know, before we go too much further with Matt Reeves, you know, Warner Brothers had a list of directors that they were interested in Uh kicking this to. Yeah. We're talking big boys like Ridley Scott and George Miller and Dennis Villanueva. So Warner Brothers was talking to other big-name directors to take over the Batman franchise. Okay. I mean, you've got guys like Matt Ross, Gavin O'Connor, but, I mean, George Miller, Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott. That would have been an interesting Batman. Yeah. So, and and once again, they go with kind of the, the unknown guy, much like Tim Burton and Christopher Nolan. Right. Right. Well... Matt Reeves is a little bit more known than they were. It's just that maybe not everybody else in the world knows, but he had done some amazing stuff. Okay. Okay, so he goes to USC where he's a screenwriting student for the writer Jeff Loeb, who wrote like the Lost series. He's, I mean, yeah, renowned guy. Yeah. He ends up making a student film called Mr. Petrified Forest, which is an award-winning student film that he's made, which... Because it wins awards, he gets himself an agent. He decides to write this script that he's like, okay, well, what's the first kind of movie I want to make? And like you and me, he loves Die Hard. So he's like, (laughs) I'm going to make a Die Hard style movie. And he writes the script and the agent sells it. And it takes a long time before it ultimately hits the screen. And there weren't like people interested for the longest time. And finally, when they're like, hey, we we finally sold your script. He's like, oh, great. Who's going to star? And they're like, it's going to be Steven Seagal. It's going to be Under Siege 2, Dark Territory. Oh. He's like, I didn't write that movie. And they're like, well. Yeah, you did. Sort of, you did. You yeah. did, yeah. And so, what you get probably is nothing like the script that he wrote. But that's it was that weird. It's a weird IMDb technicality here. He is the screenwriter for Under Siege to Dark Territory. Now, I have seen. I saw Under Siege two in the theater. Oh my word! Because I was such a big Under Siege fan. <laughs> so he ends up directing a couple of movies. Uh, his debut movie is called Future Shock, which came out in 94, and it looks not good. I haven't seen it, but it, it doesn't look like a good movie. Okay. Um, the next one is 1996, and it stars Gwyneth Paltrow. 
Yeah. I mean, 96, that's her prime time. Sure. David Schwimmer, who's in the middle of Friends at this point. Yeah. Prime time. Yeah. The movie's called The Pallbearer. It was not a well-received movie. I don't remember this one. Yeah. So... It's a fa- he's done two movies and neither one of them are good, so it's not looking too promising for him. He goes back to his friend JJ. They start working on a movie idea, which ultimately becomes a TV show called Felicity. Yeah, okay. Now, Felicity was some success, right? Yeah, sure. Is that Kerry Russell? And Felicity? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he ends up doing, this was 98, he ends up doing TV for the next 10 years. Like, he's the TV guy. He does all kinds of different TV shows, but not doing any big directing. Until 2008, and he comes out with this low-budget horror movie produced by his friend J.J. Abrams called Cloverfield. Okay. And it is a huge success. Then he writes and directs a remake of a Swedish film called Let the Right One In that he titles Let Me In. Okay. And then he gets... Tap to do Twilight, which is how he... No, wait. It's the Twilight Zone. I'm sorry. No, no. Twilight Zone. Wrong. Tap, Robert Twilight. Pattinson. We're right. talking about... No, different okay. Twilight. Twilight Zone. He gets... They are going to reboot the Twilight Zone. He signs on, but then they make him an offer he can't refuse. Okay. So, Matt Reeves loved two things when he was a kid. The Planet of the Apes. Yeah. And Batman comic books. In 2012, he gets an offer to direct the new Planet of the Apes movies. There have already been two that have come out. The first one directed by... Tim Burton. Tim Burton, right. Yeah. Not a big success. Right. Second one, slightly more successful, but they think, okay, we're going to keep going, we're going to build. And so they tap him to do Dawn of Planet of the Apes, which comes out in 2014 much bigger success and then war for the planet of the apes which came out in 2017 so this guy who is unsuccessful as a movie director falls into tv happens to get back into the movies a little bit at a time and ultimately becomes someone that warner brothers is now seeking out to direct their new reboot of batman i've seen those two planet of the Apes movies They're pretty darn good. Yeah, they're really good. I'm, neither one of us are CGI fans. They do a really good job with the CGI on this. It's still not my favorite, but it's, I mean, as far as it goes, it's good. And you've got Andy Serkis as the ape, and so the acting is on point. Andy Serkis plays Caesar, who's yes. the main character right. in the Batman, you know, who's playing Alfred, right? Andy Serkis. Yes. New friend of yours? I'm not so sure. So Matt Reeves gets Ben Affleck's script. And he looks at it, and he's like, this is awesome, but this is not my Batman. Right. I mean, this will be a great movie, and whoever makes it, it's going to be fantastic. But I have a different idea for Batman altogether. Yeah, and as a Batman fan, he's like, okay, I want to go back to like Batman The Long Halloween, uh-huh. or Batman Year One, or Batman Ego. And being a comic book fan, I've read The Long Halloween and mm-hmm. Year One. Yeah. They're awesome. Yeah. And we mentioned that those were also the comic books that inspired The Dark Knight. He also took the style from the 1970s. Uh-huh. Movies like The French Connection and Clute and Chinatown and Taxi Driver and The Conversation, Francis Ford Coppola, and All the Presidents, man, and like Hitchcock and stuff. If you've watched the trailer, I mentioned this to you. I was like, this looks very much like a David Fincher movie to me, right? Right. There's all kinds of rain. We've got... Yes. Uh, what appears to be a serial killer leaving these little clues. I mean, screams David Fincher, right? Sure, sure. And so you've got 70s movie style. You've got the David Fincher serial killer style. Yep. And then the other, I mean, the, the other thing to throw into the pot of the mix is Kurt Cobain. From your secret friend. I know that this is incredible. So we we discussed last last episode that yeah. in the trailer they're playing really low something in the way off of Nirvana's Nevermind. Right. And he played that on loop while he was writing the script. Exactly. And so his idea was to make Bruce Wayne rather than playboy billionaire stud, yeah, to make him reclusive dark rock star Kurt Cobain. Right. Maybe drug addict, right? Like, his millions of dollars are meaningless to him. And if you've seen the documentary that Gus Van Zandt did on 
Kurt Cobain called Last Days. He said that was a big inspiration for him as he was making this film. As a matter of fact, in Last Days, you'll see these amps that are just stacked up in a corner. Keep an eye out for those in the Batman. So he's listening to something in the way and he is referencing all of these Fincher movies and all of these 70 movies and that's how he comes up with the storyline but also something else that he sees in this time period is a movie called Good Time. It's a movie that came out in 2017 starring an actor that has been doing stuff for 20 years. Okay. His name is Robert Pattinson. <laughs> yeah. Now, I say he's been doing stuff for 20 years because for a whole lot of people, when they heard that he was going to be the new Batman, they said, the Twilight guy? You're right. No, okay, he's done some other stuff since then, right? Sure, sure. And he, what he did, I mean, he was he's a very handsome man, right? There's no question. He's a handsome guy. He was playing those handsome guy parts, but what he said is, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that actor. Much like Heath Ledger, he was like, I want to find movies that mean something to me. And when I'm hungry enough to do those movies. And so he's been in a ton of indie movies. And when I heard Good Time was the thing that that triggered Matt Reeves to go, okay, I, I want this guy as my Batman. And he wrote the whole thing with him in mind. I watched it. I watched it today. I've watched three quarters of the movie today, and it is awesome. I encourage everybody who's skeptical about Robert Pattinson to go check out Good Time before you watch The Batman because he's got chops. He is a solid actor and not just a pretty boy, a pretty vampire who twinkles in the sun. <laughs> well, we talked about that in our previous episodes that, you know, people freaked out when Michael Keaton got the part of Batman. Yeah. I mean, that's Mr. Mom and Beetlejuice. Right. And when Heath Ledger, Mr. Brokeback Mountain, right. he's, he's Joker. Right. People freaked out about that. Yep. And people hit the ceiling when, when Robert Pattinson got this role. Let's see how he does, guys. Yeah. When you're talking about Matt Reeves and when he's writing the this screenplay, yeah. he's thinking about the bad guy. Okay, so yeah. we've talked about him being influenced by 70s movies. Yeah. He is influenced by Fincher. Yeah. We both talked about how this looks just like Seven. Yeah. But, but another Fincher movie is Zodiac. Yeah, the... The one time that you see the Riddler not as, you know, just the guy in the coffee shop where he's actually got some sort of costume on, the costume looks nothing like Jim Carrey. <laughs> looks nothing like the 64 Riddler with the green suit and the question marks. Right. It looks like the Zodiac Killer from Zodiac by David Fincher. Right. And just like in Zodiac, he's sending out these cipher messages that you have to solve the riddle in order to figure out who's involved in the crime, right? And... Seven, same style. And I'll say this. Go watch that trailer. Go watch the trailer that begins with the dark, rainy street and the neon bar and the police are coming in. Edward Nashton, a.k.a. the Riddler, uh-huh. who, you, who you never see his face. He's just sitting there having a cup of coffee and he slowly raises his hands. This guy's giving himself up. Just like John Doe in Seven, just like the Joker in The Dark Knight, this has got to be part of a plan. I'm so excited to see what they're going to do with this. Serial killer Riddler giving himself up, ciphers, year two... This is what what we're taking on is year two where the Batman is troubled and doesn't know how to do things right yet. I mean, you look at year one, he's messing stuff up. He's getting people killed. He's walking around without the bat suit on like in the red light district, which is how he meets Selena Kyle. I mean, this is this is some dark, gritty stuff. But also, if you watch the trailer, you get lots of action. So hopefully Matt Reeves said, I want deep art film style but I don't want to lose the action and that's that's how we're going to get the muscle car busting through the flames I got you I got you I do think there's going to be a lot of action I do think I do agree with you it's very Fincher-esque 
But I've read that they're going to really emphasize his detective skills. Okay. Remember we talked about in Batman 89 where he's like, all of a sudden he's like, it's hairspray and deodorant. Right. Wait, wait, what? How do you know? You figured that out? (laughs) So it's a whole bunch of noir and detective skills and serial killer. Yeah. Matt Reeves was reading Mindhunter by John Douglas. Have you ever read that book? No. I have read that book. It's fascinating and disturbing. Yeah. John Douglas is who the Scott Glenn character in Silence of the Lambs is based on. He wrote a book like compiling all of the serial killers and what their MOs were and how they worked. Okay, so we talked about how Matt Reeves was a Batman fan. Yes. And we talked about how Year One is a major influence on this, right? Sure. And we talked about how Taxi Driver is a major influence on this. Right. So there's a frame in Year One... That when Matt Reeves was reading it, he was like, God, Batman looks like the taxi driver in this one. Like, that's what he looks like. Well, a while later, he got the commemorative edition of year one, which had basically like liner notes in the back of it. And one of them was a note from Frank Miller to David Mazzuccelli, who's the artist on it. And his note is, I want Batman to look like he's won a taxi driver lookalike contest. Oh. So they are literally on the same page. Taxi Driver starring Robert De Niro. We're going to talk about The Godfather and Godfather 2 here next week. Yeah. And it's going to be amazing. Well, who the hell else are you talking to? Talking to me? Well, I'm the only one here. Let's talk about let's casting. Start ta- let's talk about casting now. Okay. So first, I think and foremost, let's talk Robert Pattinson, right? Sure. So when Robert Pattinson gets the offer to come audition for the Batman, um, he's in the middle of filming a movie <laughs> called Tenet with Christopher Nolan. I know. This is fascinating. Right. And so he has to lie to Christopher Nolan and say, um, I can't be there today. I have a family emergency. But Christopher Nolan, I mean, he's in touch with all things WB and the Batman. So his immediate response is, you're going to go audition for the Batman, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when he does his audition, he wears Val Kilmer's suit, which Christian Bale also wore Val Kilmer's suit when they did his screen test, right? So... As we mentioned... Did that he, one have nipples or no? I can't I, remember. That one did not have nipples okay. as far as I can remember. So, as we mentioned, he Matt Reeves had him in mind after seeing Good Time, right? And so he's been the image the whole time. But when he first... He's like, I don't even know if he's interested, you know? I, he, he's doing these indie art films. I don't know that he's going to be wanting to do a big superhero movie. Right. And he talks to Robert, and Robert Pattinson is also a Batman fan. Bingo! Yeah, all the lights clicking. That's that's great. Okay, so let's talk casting. Okay. When you go to IMDb, the first person listed, very first person, number one, is an actor named Barry Keegan, who's been in Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. Okay. And his character is Stanley Markle. I had to look up Stanley Markle. Stanley Markle was apparently a a partner of James Gordon's when he first got started. Uh, I think he ends up later getting killed by the hangman. He has relatives that are criminals. So I don't know how he's going to play into all of this. It's just weird to me that this guy who we've not seen a bit of him in any of the trailers is the number one guy on IMDb. Okay. Number two, you get Robert Pattinson. That makes sense. And then... We've got Zoe Kravitz and Selena Kyle, the Catwoman. Yeah. You know who Zoe Kravitz's parents are? Uh, yes. <laughs> so, I remember when she was born. That's how old I am. Right. Lenny Kravitz and Lisa Bonet. Right. From The Cosby Show. Right. Had a girl, Zoe Kravitz, and she, now she's freaking Catwoman. Right. Which, yeah, it's too, too long a connection, but Aquaman and... Lisa Bonet just broke up not too long ago. <laughs> Very important to Matt Reeves that we not have anybody who can talk to fish in this movie. <laughs> Please, no. So Zoe Kravitz, I'm watching a series right now called Big Little Liars. She a, plays a part in that one. She's really good. She looks like a great cat woman. Yeah. Okay. So then we have, as Edward Nashton slash the Riddler, Paul Dano. 
I'm just here to unmask the truth about this cesspool we call a city. Paul Dano's one of them. I really enjoy his stuff. I hated There Will Be Blood. Everybody else loved it. I hated it. But there's no question he did a fantastic job with that movie. He was also in Little Miss Sunshine. He was in Swiss Army Man with Daniel Radcliffe. Um, and he was in Love and Mercy where he played a young Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. Also great. I'm super excited to see what he does with this serial killer style Riddler. Yep. Any ill feelings about him not being Mr. E. Enigma? Edward. Edward Enigma? No. <laughs> Me no. either. Me either. Yeah, no. Um, we have a guy who you're not going to recognize in the trailer. Oswald Cobblepot slash Penguin. This is fantastic. This blew my mind. When I saw his picture on IMD, I was like, who is he? He's, he's what? Yeah. The fat gangster looking guy that you see in the trailer is played by Colin Farrell. Oh, take it easy, sweetheart. What? I know. That's nuts. Uh, I know. Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell, who has been in, he was in the remake of Fright Night. He was in the remake of Total Recall. He's been in a lot of stuff. He's a great looking dude. He based his character, Oswald Cobblepot, on Fredo Corleone. Uh, from the godfather oh wow he's a gangster you know a member of the mob but he's sort of kicked aside and unappreciated i can handle things i'm smart not like everybody says like dumb i'm smart and i want respect so that's fantastic he's fredo that makes so much sense because you see the iceberg like the i think it's called the iceberg lounge that's his thing that's very fredo from his vegas stint by the way Preview to what was coming up, we have got, celebrating the 50th anniversary of the release of The Godfather, we have The Godfather 1 versus The Godfather 2 versus Goodfellas coming up. Be sure and hit follow or subscribe on your podcast app so that you do not miss those episodes. Yes. So we've got Jeffrey Wright playing James Gordon. Right. I don't know if he's Commissioner Gordon. And not. I think there's another commissioner that, like, that. the funeral, I think, is for the commissioner. Okay. He plays Felix Leiter from the Daniel Craig James Bond movies. The FBI guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's the guy who loses all his chips at Casino Royale, right? <laughs> right. And what about the winnings? Does it look like we need the money? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then you've got John Turturro as Carmine Falcone. I love I love John Turturro. I don't care what he's in. It's awesome. <laughs> all right. I got something for you here. Okay. Peter Sarsgaard yep. is playing Gil Coulson. Okay. Okay. This is the district attorney somewhere prior to Harvey Dent. Right. Right. Okay? Right. He describes this character as untruthful and distasteful. Uh huh. It'd be interesting to see what kind of character this is. Yeah. But do you know who Peter Sarsgaard is married to? No. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh wow. She uh, plays Rachel Dawes nice. in The Dark Knight. You've got as Alfred Pennyworth. Andy Circus. Andy Circus. That's interesting, and I know that they're trying to lean more that Alfred has this sort of military background. Yeah, uh, I think even maybe MI six or something. Well, he's in the preview. He's got a scar on his forehead, which leads me to believe he's seen some action. I mean, who else better to train Bruce Wayne than Mister MI six Alfred Pennyworth? I love it. I love it. I think that's fantastic. We should say this is outside the DC EU, right? Right. The We're, DC Extended Universe. Right. So none of the Aquaman stuff, none of the Henry Cavill Men of Steel, all that stuff takes place somewhere else. I, I think they even said that this is Earth Two. Right. This is I, this is a different universe, kind of like the Joker, right? Which if we can discuss for just a second. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I saw that movie before you did. Yes. And I went and watched it with my wife, and she did not like it. Yes. And I enjoyed it for what it was. It is it is a fantastic movie. It is not what you expect when you're going to go see a movie based on comic books. Right. And I called you, and I said, this is not your kind of movie. <laughs> and you went and saw it anyway, and you called me up and said, that was... I said, that wasn't a strong enough... <laughs> what I say? Those words were not strong enough. That right. was like getting like, beat up. This movie was terrible. I said, <laughs> I told you it wasn't. You're like, that was not a strong enough warning. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh man. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, if you if you take the Joker and make it a taxi driver, <laughs> it's a different movie than a than a superhero movie that you've been used to for sure. I I enjoyed it very much, but it's not for everybody for sure. But here's what's interesting. 
the hospital. They they don't call it the Arkham Asylum in the Joker. Okay. They call it the Arkham State Hospital. Okay. Why is that interesting? Because in the trailer for the Batman, there's a part where the Batman has come in to see the Riddler inside of what appears to be a jail cell, right? Like the, the, the screen is rising so they can talk to each other through the glass and, and Batman. What have you done? Yes. Blams his arm against the glass. What have you done? And all of this is the only thing that we hear the Riddler say. He's, he says, I've been trying to reach you. Meaning, uh, again, I think this goes back to him giving himself up. This is all part of his plan. But you don't see his face. What you do see is his uniform. You see his chest as that thing yeah. pans up. Yeah. What's written on the uniform is not a jail. It is the Arkham State Hospital, just like out of Joker. Don't know if they're going to be in the same universe or not. They, I, mean, they I mean, they could be. The styles are similar. I don't know. Well, th- that could be interesting. And I know that that Robert Pattinson has signed a three-picture deal to do three Batman movies. This is another trilogy. Yeah. And you know they're going to want to bring Joker back. Yeah, I don't. I really don't think Joaquin Phoenix is going to do another one. I mean, it's just not. I don't think that's his type of thing to do. It's just standalone. Jack Nicholson, let's go. <laughs> Make the call. <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. This town needs an enema. So the writers that we have on this, we mentioned Matt Reeves is primarily responsible. He teamed up with Peter Craig to write this. Peter Craig wrote the Hunger Games movies. Okay. He also wrote The Town, starring Mr. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck yeah. Great movie. Yeah. So I'm just I'm thinking through this, right? So we've got some solid acting skills. We've obviously got a significant budget. We've got an a reboot style tale that goes back to the dark grittiness. We have Matt Reeves who gave us some incredible Planet of the Apes movies. And we've got I mean, the, he's a great storyteller. He's a yes, he is a great storyteller. He is completely devoted to one picture at a time and when he agreed to do this it was 2017 february of 2017 when did you tell me filming started on this january of 2020 january of 2020 which means he went for three years developing the movie only to have it stop abruptly in march we got to talk about that so this to me is the major story about the filming of this is Production started January 2020 in London. As we all know, in early March of 2020, the world shut down because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, at first, Warner Brothers was like, we're not shutting down. No. No, this is bullcrap. we got movies to make. we, we got a budget. We're making the freaking Batman right we now. We remember when the swine flu came out. This will blow <laughs> over in a couple weeks. This is bullcrap. Keep rolling. <laughs> so when they realized, no, this really is the real deal. On March 14th, they shut down, but only for two weeks. That was the plan. All right, two weeks. Yeah. This all should be over in two weeks, right? Right. So, two weeks later, obviously the world's still very much under pandemic. Yeah. They did not resume filming until September of 2020. That's a six-month pause in the middle of a major movie. Right. And then when they started filming again, they can't just go back to doing things the way they'd done them before because the world changed. Yeah. Robert Pattinson says it's like a military operation, right? They had earbuds in to receive direction. He said there was like robotic remote control cameras. He said he didn't even know if there was a crew. He's like standing out there by himself. <laughs> Guys, how was that? Somebody say action? <laughs> Sorry, did you order a hamburger? I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> that, by the way, was the note that was given to both he and Zoe Kravitz. Make sure you can go to the bathroom in this thing. <laughs> That's great. So, once again, on the producer list, we've got Michael Uslan, who I, I think we're in good hands, right? And then the composer. Okay. Are you ready for this? Yeah. The composer is Michael Giacchino. Every Pixar film that you love, he composed the score for it. He did the Mission Impossible movies that you love. He did Rogue One. This guy is a master. I mean, if you just took uh, Up. Yeah. The music in Up is so utterly brilliant that it blows me away. And then you compare it to 
The Incredibles, which is completely different and still perfect for the movie. And I have downloaded the theme for the Batman and I can't stop listening to it. We talked about the difference between Danny Elfman and his obvious theme that he's got going on and Hans Zimmer and the more repetitive style that Hans Zimmer has and how different they are. I think that Michael Giancino gives us both. He's got a theme that is very nicely intermixed with these tension-building ostinatos that, ah, it's so good. I can't wait to see what they do with all of it. You had me at Incredibles, I'm just telling you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then we've got the cinematographer. His name is Greg Frazier, okay? Yeah. I just found this other day, born the same day that I was. It was a good day. Also, by the way, he was four years old, turned four years old, the day that Bat Films, Inc. was formed. Now, (laughs) he did the cinematography for Let Me In, and he also did it for Zero Dark Thirty. He did it for Dune, and he did it for Rogue One. I can remember seeing Rogue One and going, how did they make this look so much like the original trilogy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was spot on, and it had a lot to do with his cinematography style, right? So in the trailer, there's this moment that it's it's basically darkness, and you see Batman charging forward, and the only lights that you can see are coming from these machine guns that are shooting him. And I watch that scene, and I'm like, this looks like the end of Rogue One, where Darth Vader is coming through the dark hallway, and it's only lit by that by his lightsaber and the gun shooting. And sure enough, same guy, film both scenes. Um, I'm geared up. One you of the have- coolest scenes filmed for any Star Wars movie. Absolutely. And it, I will say Rogue One is my favorite Star Wars movie aside from the original trilogy. I might even put it above for Return of the Jedi. Wow. I, it's, I love Rogue One. I really, really do. I can go with you on that. So, we have all of these ingredients for a successful movie. I'm super excited to see where it goes. Me too. What do you got? Tell me well, some tidbits. Well, I, I got some tidbits for you, right? Yeah, tell me. Okay, so Matt Reeves brought in Robert Pattinson. Yes. Put him in the Val Kilmer suit. Right. But he said he knew he was right when he put on the makeup. Right. Right? And actually, in the trailer, you see Bruce Wayne without his cowl on, and you have the black makeup on. Yeah. And they they really wanted to show... You know, in, in Batman Forever, when Michael Keaton rips off his mask, he's not wearing any makeup. Right. It's, yeah, it's a meme. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so they wanted to show that sweaty, bruised, makeup, tough, gritty guy underneath. Right. Well, and, you know, a little bit of the emo vibe, a little bit of the Kurt just Cobain more, thing. darker, yeah. 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 Robert Pattinson took a selfie of himself in the bat suit uh-huh. just in case he got fired the first week he was there. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, it was very much against the rules, but I needed it just in case. Yeah. Did you know that Zoe Kravitz actually voiced the character of Catwoman in the Lego Batman movie? Wow. How about that? That is fantastic. Yes. Okay, so quick note on that. Last year, May of last year, huh? Matt Reeves signed on to do an animated series of the Batman called Batman Caped Crusader. I'm excited to see Sign that Sign me now. up, man. I'm, his, I'm all in. His wife is Melinda Wang. She's a former animator. So, no offense. Melinda Wang? <laughs> what? That's from Caddyshack. Okay. Sorry. Okay, we mentioned that Colin Farrell is playing the Penguin. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He actually has the distinction of playing a supervillain in both the DC and Marvel universe. Can you name the supervillain that he plays in the Marvel Universe? Is it in the Eternals? No. I give up. He plays Bullseye in the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie from oh 2003. Gosh, I remember that now. With wow. Jennifer Garner, who he married and now divorced. Oh, wow. Yeah, I had even forgotten that Ben Affleck was ever the Daredevil. <laughs> Whoa. And finally, this is the first solo Batman film to be shot on digital. You know, we talked about COVID-19 interrupting this movie. This film was originally scheduled to be released June 25th, 2021. But due to that production halt, they had to push it back to October 1st of 2021. And now finally, we're getting it worldwide March 4th, 2022. This should be a summer blockbuster. The movie has a runtime. Of two hours and 55 minutes. Yeah. That's a long time. 
I, I don't care. And the cameras that they used are the Aria Alexa and the Aria Alexa Mini using anamorphic lenses, which I'm super excited that they did that because it gives it such a great cinematic look. It's going to be great. This movie is nearly three hours long. Dark Knight was two and a half hours. Batman 89 was over two hours. The Godfather, Godfather 2, and Goodfellas are all three-hour movies. Right. So at least in The Godfather, you get an intermission. <laughs> I don't know it's that they're going to get... the uh, DVD player. I don't, I'm going to say, we're going to be seeing it the night that it comes out. We're not going to have windigopee.com. We won't know. We'll have to let you know. We'll do our best. Yeah. Basically, just don't go. Right. I'm going to I'm gonna start dehydrating like <laughs> early that morning. No Coke for you. Let's now... Go to the movie theater and see the movie. I'm ready. Let's go. Okay. I'll get the popcorn. Holy crap. Go see that movie. Wow. (laughs) We are back from watching the movie. This is just minutes ago that we're back in the car now. Okay, guys. We've seen the movie. We are going to have spoilers, so be prepared for those. This point forward, if you don't want to know anything else, don't listen. Yeah, push pause, go see the movie, and then come back and listen. So, tell me your thoughts. What do you think? Good, bad, what do you think? I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. Okay. So, just off the top of your head, what's your best best part about the movie? So, I love the first the riddles at the beginning like the first hour or so while they're solving the mystery and he's plucking important people out of Gotham and you know endangering them and they're having to try to track him down yeah and all of the riddles and all that stuff was awesome i do think it lulled a little bit in the middle so it's it started with a bang right off the bat we don't we're not fooling around with any of the stupid bruce wayne backstory we're not fooling around with any of the penguin or any of that backstory. We're just dropped right in the middle of a mystery that's beginning, and they expect you to already understand who some of these characters are, which we do. I mean, this is you know American folk- folklore; these characters, and it starts right off. And man, you're following these clues, and there's this crazy Riddler character who's like John Doe from Seven. I thought it was very much like Seven. Very much. I thought there was a, you know, Zodiac, and I thought there was even a little bit of the movie Saw, if you've ever seen Saw. A little bit. So. Yeah. Very, very dark. My little, my 13-year-old daughter wants to watch this, and I thought, well, it's PG-13. I'm not really comfortable with her watching this one. It is It is definitely pushing that edge of the 13 i almost wish they would have gone ahead and just done an r version of this and and just pushed it a little bit more but this is definitely this is a strong movie i was surprised at some of the strength of some of the scenes um here's what okay so number one for me number one is the music i i knew i was gonna love it and i was i it exceeded my expectations did a perfect job with the music um, number two, I liked the kind of learning his way Batman. He doesn't really know it yet. We talked about how this is just year two and he makes mistakes and there's not a ton of mistakes, but when we had them, they were good. They were a, a solid moment in that. It's really, the tone is so dark and you do have the 70s vibe. I was watching this. It doesn't take place in the 70s. I mean, we got flash drives and cell phones and all. I mean, it's obviously a now type of universe. But the cars that are driving around are, for the most part, kind of those 70s style taxis and stuff like that. Until you get to the chase scene. What did you think of the chase scene? The chase scene was very born identity. It was gritty and you felt the impact of it and the throttle and... Uh, I really felt like I was inside the chase scene. So this Bruce Wayne is a gearhead. You catch a glimpse of his engine a few times as he as it's panning around in the Batcave, and then it comes to life in the Batmobile, and it's awesome. I, I wasn't as big a fan as of the Batmobile. Okay. I mean, it was cool. It was a muscle car. Yeah. I'm still a Tumblr guy all the way. 
So you had talked about before in the earlier part of this episode that you were excited about the idea that it was going to be a detective story, that it was more a detective story. And it was definitely that. In fact, it was a throwback to the Mickey Spillane, like, here I am in this ragged city. This is my life. I mean, it's he, it has him narrating, just like that character. I mean, it's like, you know, Raymond Chandler or... Dashiell Hammett or something like that. I mean, it's it is the from the perspective of the detective, and it's got his narration on there. And I thought it was brilliantly done. Opening scene, oh wow, so good, so good. You, everybody knows that you've got. I mean, from the trailer, we know that we've got the death of the mayor, and that that scene was perfect. It was perfect. So it was scary, right? Yeah. Like it was legit because there's he's got that crazy sadistic looking mask on. Yeah. And it's the mayor and he's walking around his house and he's and he's watching TV and you see this flash that there's a person in the room with him and it's dark. And we know it and he doesn't and it's that tense Alfred Hitchcock type of thing. Absolutely and they build it. They show you him and then you wait and you wait, and you wait, and you think maybe nothing's going to happen. And it's at that moment that you think nothing's going to happen that he explodes into action with a scream. And it's very violent, like very violent right off the bat. Yeah. Um, so those things all, you know, the, the detective and the ciphers that we like from Seven that we talked about, those come into play and build really nicely for the first couple of acts. But if I got to say anything bad about the movie it's the same bad thing that we said about batman 89 and the dark knight the third act doesn't finish off quite as strong the climax of the movie and this is i mean this is big spoiler here everybody i almost don't want to say this i want to say this the i'm not going to give you all the details yeah but the big climax of the movie is when you think that the riddler knows who Batman is and then you realize that it is kind of like the Jack Nicholson you made me kind of story and it's it flips it on its head and it's a surprise the verb the way, the way he words it I'm like oh no he's exposed yeah and then without giving too much away excellent you realize yeah. he doesn't know excellent writing very very well done um, I, I love the fight scenes. Oh, the yeah. fight scenes were on point. He, we didn't have, we didn't have a Batman who knew, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. We had a Batman who threw some punches and got hit himself and got thrown around and hit you until you stopped moving. Here's what I thought. You know the punch sound that you get from Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yep. That, you know that full on sound. So every punch that Batman throws, it you feel it like a compression in your chest. Absolutely. So I, I thought Robert Pattinson did a great job. He was very dark. I thought he was very Kurt Cobain. You know, we talked about he's not playboy rich out there. He's a reclusive rock star Kurt Cobain. Right. There is a point that the, the Riddler says to him, you're your true self when you have the mask on. And I think that was absolutely true for the movie. Like... You you were excited when he was dressed as the Bat. When he was Bruce Wayne, he felt like he was out of place. He felt, you know, everybody's been saying, oh, he's the emo Bruce Wayne. Well, yeah, he felt like a guy who was displaced, which you can say emo or you could say, you know, neo-Western. Maybe he's the, the cowboy. And there's a, there, there is a point that he, you get kind of a cowboy-style music no and doubt. there's red flames in the back as it's coming on. And I'm like, oh, this is a very nice touch on that kind of western style gunslinger okay let's discuss problems do you have any problems with this okay so problem number one that i mentioned is the 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 third act once you get past that very impactful scene between the riddler and the batman and you see his plan it's not as clean and clear as i wanted it to be yeah, you and I were talking in the actually in the bathroom after yeah, the game, right. after the movie, and uh, the big, the big Riddler last act, like he's in custody, but he's got one more trick up his sleeve, uh-huh. right? John Doe's got the upper hand. Yeah, it's a fizzle. 
it's, it's a, a little it's a little bit of a fizzle it is not as big as it could have been and i'm going to say this you know when i walked out of the dark knight after seeing it in the movies i wasn't like this is the perfect movie i was like okay that was good and i'm a little confused yeah and it took watching it a few times and Quentin Tarantino has said as much about Christopher Nolan movies. You know, when they asked him about Tenet, he's, he, they're like, did you like that one? He's like, tell you the truth. I don't think I've seen it enough times yet to know. Yeah. I'm going to have to see this movie again, probably two or three more times. And maybe once I've seen it two or three more times, it's going to fit. The pieces of the puzzle are going to fit together for me. I can tell you that on first watch act one and act two solid as a rock. I thought this movie was a fantastic movie yeah. where parts of Act 3 weren't executed as well as I was hoping, but it's the best movie I've seen in the theater in years. Years. Absolutely. Years and years. Absolutely. And maybe decades. Okay. So I know we're talking about things that we didn't like. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, they, they blind me about every 20 to 25 minutes they will shine a light right in your freaking face i'm like okay why why do you keep doing that it's like a headlight it's like a flashlight it's like a torch i mean like ah so that was that's my one those two things that it wasn't the strong finish at the end now i'm gonna say this i started thinking about this is i told you i needed you're like are you gonna tell me what you thought i was like i gotta kind of gather i gotta i gotta process this so spoiler alert the realization that he makes at the end is that he can't be vengeance. He has to be hope. And that is a strong biblical connection because Old Testament God is this wrathful God and Jesus is this hope. And what you see once he realizes that his his persona of vengeance is having an ill effect on the rest of the Gotham. He switches and suddenly he is, it's this very impressive scene where he is leading his people out. They do this great crane shot and it's him with a light leading them through the that water. That was a cool picture. Yeah. And, and the water itself is very much a flood. It's very much a, we're going to wash away the, the filth of the city. The, the problem that I had with it is the Riddler seemed so focused for Act 1 and 2 on the corrupt officials. And then in Act 3, it ended up, well, we're just going to wash away everybody. That that was kind of an odd take. We're going to inconvenience everyone. Well, and I think the intention was to, you know, flood them into a spot and then I don't, won't give away the end. But right. there are followers who are there. But... Um, yeah, it didn't. Where I understand the allegory that they were trying to give, I don't think it was as strong as it could have been. But I've only seen it once. Right. I've only seen it once. Let's talk about strengths. Selena Kyle. She, best Catwoman of all time. Wow, coming strong. I'll spike the football every day, all day long. Best Catwoman of all time. She. As far as the, they have, you know, they've got this love interest. To me, she delivered. Uh, Robert Pattinson didn't quite. I didn't feel like he had the chemistry for her that she had for him. Like it felt like if, like I believed her fascination with him and and his. I didn't buy so much. Okay, I thought she was fantastic. I thought it was real, right? Uh, they alluded to the fact that maybe she's a prostitute or that she'd worked in this kind of underbelly club doing sort of sorted things very and batman year one and she even looks like selena kyle in batman year one definitely I mean, definitely okay penguin penguin was the best penguin of all time best penguin of all time but by far far and away best villain in the movie in my opinion oh wait wait wait, wait. riddler's great riddler's great riddler was fantastic Falcone stole every scene that he was in. John Turturro stole every scene that he was in. The guy was awesome. He really, really was. Yeah. Okay. What about uh, Gordon? I loved Gordon. Yeah, I loved it. And he he provided some comedy in the movie that, I, like I say, every every 
movie needs to have some laughs, and I laughed at least three or four times in this movie out loud. The laughs were rare. The laughs were rare, and I think I may have laughed inappropriately in a couple of spots. <laughs> <laughs> but they were there. They, they were there enough for such a dark, dark movie. Yeah. There was one scene that I almost laughed inappropriately. It's when the penguin, like, flips his car, like, 20 times. Okay, and- so you, you and I... No, I just had a wreck like three days ago. I, I, that was a little triggery for me. I was, I was like, ooh, this made me a little uncomfortable. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, so he flips the car. So he flips his car. You actually see the rolling of the car from inside the car. You experience uh-huh. the roll. Yeah. There's stuff going everywhere. And then you see these boots. It's very cowboy. He's walking up and all clomp, clomp, clomp. Right. And I expected him to bend over and be like, are you okay? <laughs> but instead, he you know grabs him and starts beating him up. You know, so yeah. Pen- Penguin was fantastic. Gordon was fantastic. Uh, I thought Robert Pattinson as Batman. It was a different take on ba- on Batman and Bruce Wayne. Hmm. But I, I'm fully invested. I, I was very, very much a fan. Um, and then the Riddler was amazing, scary. Yeah. Uh, he provided a real menace. Yeah, very seven. Right. And Paul Dano, just as a human being, has a demented look about him. I mean, no no offense to the actor. It's a gift that he has that he can play those kind of warped characters. But you don't see him for three quarters of the movie. You don't see his face. No, but those videos and stuff that he posted were super scary. Yes. And there was a scene. There was a scene where he had two IDs. And they said, which one of these are you? And he said, you tell me. And I felt like there was more of a story there. And a little bit later on, it showed his picture without the mask on next to his picture with the mask on. I was expecting to there to be some sort of twin thing that was going to happen, which apparently, I mean, obviously it didn't happen unless that's a plan for a later movie or something like that. I'm not sure. Okay. One more thing I want to bring up before we finish up. Okay. The last scene in Arkham Asylum. Yeah. There's a conversation that happens between the Riddler... And somebody. And somebody. Another inmate in the Arkham State Hospital. Okay, that's Arkham right. State Hospital. And when when I was looking at him, he, he kind of looked like his face was messed up. So I'm like, is this Two-Face? But then he talked about being a clown. So I'm like, is this Joker? And then he says, riddle me this. And he's like, what are, what's more valuable the fewer you have? And the Riddler answers friends. And so he t- he's talking to the Riddler about a comeback story. And so maybe that's what's in store. But we don't know exactly who this guy is. But then they both start to laugh together. And it's this maniacal weird laugh who do you think it is it's gotta be they're clearly putting the joker out there think so yeah okay or at least they're throwing us off the trail that it's yeah, the joker maybe. yeah maybe I think it's the joker but it's not a joker we've seen before it's definitely not Joaquin Phoenix it's definitely not Jared Leto I'm okay with both of that <laughs> that's fine with me ah <laughs> uh, that's good stuff um, let's see. Is there anything else that we need to talk about on this? Okay. Yeah. We, so we do, we have to do this. All right. How's it going to rank? Okay. But let's do it like we did on our, on our episodes. Okay. Keaton, Bale, Pattinson. Where do you rate? I would. Okay. I just watched it just a few minutes ago. Yeah. So it's still fresh in my brain, but I'm going Keaton, Pattinson, Bale. Nice. Batman. Nice. So, so number one, Keaton. Number two, Pattinson. Yeah. And Christian Bale finishing third. Yes. Okay. All right. What about you? I agree. Okay. I'm right. I'm I'm right there. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that's exactly. Yeah. I think you're spot on on that one. Okay. Okay. So there is no Joker in this one. Right. We've got a slew of good characters. I don't know that we can really compare any of our bad guys in this movie to either one of those Jokers, though. No. I don't think any of them reach either Jack Nicholson or Heath Ledger level. He's more of a behind-the-scenes and kind of off-screen, scary 
both of those actors had the opportunity to build a real character that we got to see a lot of this was an entirely different story this was somebody in the shadows in almost all circumstances so this it's not the same it's not fair to compare them but it's important to note that we don't have one of those standout villains in this one we've got a different type of villain altogether a right. great villain john a, doe a genuinely scary villain yeah it's not you you don't look at them and laugh you you look at them and go my word what could happen to some twisted mind right okay batmobile i'm still saying number one is the keaton mobile yeah but that muscle car car was awesome i loved the muscle car i love the muscle car bursting through the flames I still am picking it. I'm picking it above the the Humvee version of the Batmobile. Okay. Which cra- you would put at number one. Yes, yeah. you're crazy. Yeah. Tumblr one, 89 Batmobile, two, muscle car, three. I don't, it really didn't do anything special. It had a, like a turbocharged engine, but it didn't, didn't have any kind of special machine guns or oil slicks or smoke screen. Or- it's year two. I know, I know. I'm oh, just. I mean, and there's something interesting too, like the bat suit. Like you could see the threads where he had woven it together. It looks like leather and and cloth. Mm-hmm. It, it it does not look like any of the modern bat suits that we've seen from Keaton on. This is as handmade a bat suit as we've seen since. The 66 Batman with Adam West. I loved how the bat emblem on his chest popped out and became a knife or a battering. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. I really liked the bat suit. What do you think, bat suit wise? Number one. This is the best one. This is the best bat suit yeah. you've seen. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it kept catching my eye. It was not, and it wasn't like I was thinking, it wasn't like it was a distraction. It was just like, this is perfect. This is so realistic. Hey, can I say one thing? Too? Yes, go ahead. He took all kinds of bullets. Uh, to the chest that yeah. he was protected from, but at the very end, a guy put a shotgun to his face. About and to answer the question, right? The dumb and dumber question. <laughs> what if he shot you in the face? Yeah, what if he yeah. shot me in the face? And he was clearly in danger. He was going to get. He was going to die. He was, that was going to die. Yep. Yep. And then he gets saved. Yep. Okay. So movies, movie to movie to movie. Okay. Here's how I rank them. Okay. Right this right this second. Yeah. I hope I'm not overreacting. The Batman, number one. Oh, wow. The Dark Knight, number two. Batman 89, number three. Wow. Wow. It was fantastic. It blew my doors off. It did. I mean, here's the thing. We we knew walking into this that Rotten Tomatoes had said this is a near-perfect movie. We have built this up in our minds because we've been doing this research and we've been fascinated with the developments that we've seen and this movie it delivered it delivered here's what i think i think you take all the great parts of the dark knight and they were amazing right yeah yeah. and you trim all the stuff all the story building and all the alfred stuff and all the extra and you cut all that crap out and it's just full throttle story yeah. I think this takes place in one week. Yeah. And it's just straight action, straight involvement, straight detective, straight it's all Batman. Uh-huh. There's very little Bruce Wayne, so it doesn't really slow down that much. Right. And so it's just like you love chocolate cake, here it is, you know? Uh-huh. It's just full on all Batman, all the best stuff the Dark Knight for three hours. Yeah. What do you well, think? I'm sorry, I'm I'm still No 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 no. I I totally I you're 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 messing with my messing with my thoughts here. I am not ready to take the Dark Knight out of the number one position. And it it, it comes down to simply Heath Ledger's performance that I'm not ready to move it out of that position yet. <clears throat> the story on this one, it's better than the other two. Wow. It's a story the, the story for the Batman is it that detective story that, I mean, they kept me on the edge of my seat for three solid hours. I didn't want it to be over. I didn't want to get on with it. I mean, a lot of people talk about this being too long. I disagree. This kept me engaged for three hours. Um, solid piece of work. So storyline-wise, I, I would put it at number one. But without Heath Ledger there, I don't know. 
I just can't I can't let the Dark Knight slip from the number one spot yet. Let me watch this one as many times as I've seen the Dark Knight, and maybe it will. But for right now, Dark Knight for me still holds the number one spot. This is definitely a very close number two, and Batman Batman eighty nine is is at number three for me now. Okay, just a couple of odds and ends. Yeah, would you allow a child under thirteen to see this movie? Uh, it depends on the kid. I would let Caleb watch this movie. I would not let Avery watch this movie. I would let my 12-year-old, you know, guy who likes to pretend to stab people, I'd let him come <laughs> watch this, uh, but not my little girl. Although, she's pretty good about scary movies, too. I don't know. He might be scared by this one, honestly. It, it's not one that you should take little kids to. It's on the edge. Yeah. It's a it's a push in the envelope for the R. It is. It is is if you took the movie 7 and made it a PG-13 rating. So you got to take out some of the super graphic explicit stuff. There's an F-bomb in there. and I there's, there's one F-bomb. Yeah, there's one F-bomb in the movie, as you typically get with a PG-13 movie. And um, the initial attack and resulting injury, it's graphic. And so that one's a little rough. I, that's solid rough. I wouldn't take a under 12-year-old to see this movie. Okay. My other question to you is, when do you go pee? I didn't go pee. <laughs> and there is not a spot as far as I could tell. The only spot that I could say yeah. is when Batman and Catwoman are kind of romancing it on top of the building. But that's an important part of the movie. Yeah. But that's when I would go pee. Yeah. I mean, I would say, yeah. Wait until after the flood, and then you can go pee. You might as well stick around. <laughs> and there is a post-credit scene. Uh, sort of, yeah. It's not a very good one. No. Although. I want to go back and see what it was. I want to be able to pause it and find out what exactly it says. Yeah. Oh, and there's another thing. Is this a movie that is as good streaming as it is in the theater? Absolutely not. You got to see this in theater. Absolutely have to see it in the theater. 100%. Go if you can watch it in IMAX, which is what we just did, watch it in IMAX. If you can't do that, go watch it in the regular theater. But please don't sit in your living room and push pause and go get pop while this movie's playing. Sit down and soak this movie in like the movies you used to watch when you were a teenager. Yeah. Absolutely highest my highest recommend from me. Yeah, for sure for sure guys it has been great to go on this journey with you don't forget to hit that follow button it's the three little dots up there on your app just hit those things and hit follow that way you can catch our next episode we were where we are tackling another set of mammoth movies the godfather the godfather part two and goodfellas be sure come back and see us for that one jason it's been a fun ride man i'm really glad i got to see this with you awesome night awesome thanks man Now here's something in the way. <laughs> Not as bad. Not <laughs>